Greetings, ladies and mental gents, and welcome to this patch video for the web novel First Contact, written by Ralts Bloodthorn, which is available on both Royal Road and HFY. The links for them will be down below. And as always, I hope that you enjoy, and if you do, please consider supporting the channel. First Contact, Chapter 46 the massive Jura alloy doors, sheathed with endosteel and covered with radar scattering stealth paint, opened with a screech that could be heard over a mile out. Outlumbered 80 mechs in the 450 to 500 ton range, all heavily armed and armored, piloted by beings who had dozens, if not hundreds, of arena battles under their belts. The pilots accelerated to a light jog heading towards where the medium-armored vehicles, mix of assault, air defense, propelled artillery, and anti-armor, were heading towards the industrial facility, accompanied by over 3,000 infantry. Okay, you want to disable the anti-armor first, Tack squealed, bouncing up and down. Bring up your long-range radar scanners. Ulmawak realized that he had no idea how long-range scanners work. Bring it up for me on screen 5. He ordered, selecting the display that usually showed his point total. Have the others bring up their long-range radar on their point and ranking display. Um, okie dokie, Tag said, and with a bunch of concentric circles, with a line sweeping around in a clockwise direction fairly rapidly. At the far ring at the top where the narrow V terminated, a bunch of dots started showing. We're six miles and closing. Not a problem, Olomark answered. He was calm, centered, and strangely feeling a lacking of something that he had his entire life surrounding him and filling him. Hook me in to everyone else. Done. Go ahead, Tack said. All right, we've all fought in the arena. You know how to fight in your bash, Max. We practice in the simulators. We can take these guys, Umuak said. Let's trash bash him up. He pulled, shooting a narco stem into his arm before looking at Tack's display. Close the channel, he told Tack. Um, sure, boss, Tack said. After a moment, Tack said, Don't you have a war plan? Yeah, scrap him, Ulmoak said. It's like any junker mech bash. Uh, hang on, Tack said. Ulmoak said the communication light came on but didn't hear anything. After a minute, the light went out. Um, boss, have you ever fought for real before? Over 300 matches, I can fight, Tack, Ulmoak said, feeling the narcostum run through his veins, making his heart rate jump and easing his muscles. Don't worry, we'll scrap these guys, go back for repair and reload, and wait for the next match. Um, are you sure, boss? Tack asked. Ulmoak sighed. Yes, I'm sure. We ran a lot of simulations against the Terran military armed services estimations of those machines, even the ones that we're heading towards. All right, boss, Tack sounded unsure to Ulmoak, but the AVI went silent. The miles swept under his feet as 80 mechs thundered towards the enemy. 117 artillery is dropping smoke and chaff to cover your advance and soften them up a little. They can only dedicate two companies, so it'll be a light fire. When you exit the cover, you'll be half a mile from the long to extreme range of your long-range weaponry, and the 117 will cease fire, Tack said. All right, Ulmoak answered. An alarm went off on the screen he usually showed himself. The crowd then blanked on revealed another radar screen, this one tracking blue lines. What is that? Ulmoak asked. That's the point defense radar, boss, Tack said. Um, uh, those are friendly artillery rounds. I just told you about them. 
Ah, yes, Olmoak said. He felt his tendrils tremble slightly and ignored it. Um, okay, boss. Tak sounded really unsure, and Olmoak noticed the transmission light come on again. His forward radar was suddenly fogged out, like a solid wall appeared. Pop a drone, boss, Tak said. Hey, my radar isn't working ahead of me. It was the common thread of twenty of his men suddenly comlinking him. It's the stuff your AVI told you about, he reassured them. Half of them commented that they told the annoying little AVI to be quiet. Boss, don't let them do that. I'm serious. I don't think that's a good idea, he said. Turn on your EW suite, boss. Seriously, turn it on. Pop a drone and hit your EW. My what? Ulmoak asked. For the sake of the digital omni-messiah, Tack yelled. Ulmoak saw a power drain he wasn't used to. Stop that. I balance my power load carefully, Ulmoak said. Don't make me turn you off like the others. You guys shouldn't turn us off, boss. I'm serious. It's a really bad idea going into this fight, Tack squealed. It'll be all right. They know how to fight, Ulmoak reassured the ABI. Little Tack seemed a very nervous sort. Ulmoak wondered for a moment if there was a way to get the little guy a narco jet hit or not. They were into the cloud, and a few of his fellow gladiators cursed, but they all ran through the smoke coming out. Ulmoak noticed that this radar kept fuzzing and wavering. Elmwak's AVI suddenly created all of the dots on his radar, marking them with different shapes and colors. There's the anti-armor vehicles, boss. Get him! The AVI squeaked. Yes, Elmwak said. He activated his data link to his men. Kill the anti-armor first. He clicked his data link and sped up, sprinting across the terrain. His men gave a shout over the data link, breaking into a run with him. Boss, what are you doing, boss? The AVI squealed. Turn on your battle screen. Moving to attack, Elwak answered. I don't have battle screens. Lasers were being fired at the precursor machines. He could see them now. Heavy, blocky, bristling with weapons and thick with armor. They all moved on tracks that churned the ground, ran over small buildings and crashed houses and trees. They were making a straight line towards the mining facility. Uh, Bostag said, turn on your battle screens. More lasers lanced out, hitting mechs, charging them. Particle cannons fired at extreme range joined in. Missiles started being fired from the machines. Small ones, medium ones, seekers. Each mech's point of pen shot down the oncoming at them, picked a few others off, and then went silent. Boss, the API barked an Ulmoak's point of fence went silent. A particle beam raked Ulmoak's leg, but a quick glance showed Ulmoak that it hadn't done much more than minimal damage to his leg's thick armor. Yes, Ulmoak asked. He was satisfied that the point of fence knocked down not only all of the ones coming at him, but ones aimed at others too. Activating battle screens, Tack yelled. Ulmoak saw his power take a hit and his view screen shimmer slightly. What is that? Stop that! I need that power for my guns, Ulmoak barked. Clear my vision. You need that power for your screens, and you're going to get splattered. Tack shot back. How do you not know this? I'm like three hours old. Give me a sec to compensate for the screens. The displays cleared up right as Ulmoak increased the power and pushed the speed back up. More laser missiles hitting, this time deflecting or detonating by shimmering fields surrounding him. Shoot! Tack screamed. Tack jumped over the house, clearing it easily, and landed raising his arms and triggering his missile launchers at the nearest set of tanks. Ulmoak knew missiles were point and shoot, and the pilot's hand-eye mattering more than the computer reticle. The missiles, Terran military smart weapons, shot out, 
blinked in surprise, armed and impacted a second late later before the VIs even went active. Both tanks shuddered, rocked back on their tracks, and continued forward. Half a dozen creatures in their forward glacks. Boss, what are you doing? Tack screamed as Ulamak raked the leading tank with his 200mm autocannons, his whole mech shuddering as he raked his massive fists over the front of the precursor tank. Ulamak fired lasers, covered some in plasma napalm, extended his sword and jumped into the air. Boss, what the frick? Tack screamed at Ulamak's massive feet slammed down on two enemy tanks, crushing them. He lunged forward and drove his sword through another tank, molten metal spraying from the impact cursor tank. He finished it off with a heavy laser shot as he yanked the chainsaw free and turned to face the next one. Told you, going to mech-bash these guys, Umark said, feeling a slight trickle of something as two heavy cannon rounds hit his mech, forcing him to step off the destroyed tanks. He selected a single target and unloaded two heavy missile pods, pouring a hundred heavy missiles into the front of the armor. The missiles, normally long-range smart missiles capable of dodging point defense, making pop-up attacks, or even circling wide to come around for another pass, didn't even have a chance to completely unhash before they realized that they were about to hit the armed impact triggers. The tank, a medium air defense tank with minimal armor, exploded into fury, even as the missiles kept screaming into the fire. Most of them barely able to fire up the sensors before they slammed into the ground and exploded. Most of the damage was from unbound fuel exploding and the sheer kinetic hit rather than the heavy complex warheads designed to fight heavy warmech armor. Boss, this isn't an arena fight, Tack screamed. What the frick, boss? A shot hit Ulamak on the side as he turned in place, firing his auto cannons as he did so. Raking it across the front side of the robot tanks around him. Boss, you're losing men. I mean, really losing them. You gotta run. Tack said, total armor is down by 50% and you're getting close to getting blown up. Oluwak bellowed and fired everything he had at the tank. His cockpit flashing with heat. Lasers, cannon shots, auto cannons, and particle beams were raking his mech. His point defense was overheating and he was losing armor fast. Boss, run, Tag yelled. I'm overwhelmed. I can't, 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 can't allocate screens and defenses. Everyone, get back to base. Ulamak finished his turning and running out, stomping on the tanks as he went, slashing right and left with his chainsaw, firing his weapons into the sides of the tanks. He got clear, running back to the remains of the smoke and chaff, confident that the others were right behind him. There was a silence for a long time, broken only by the whirring and cooling fans of the cockpit, the thud of the mech feet and the howl of the point defense going off. He broke free of the smoke, running to the cave where the repair teams were. Close air support 312 is coming to clean it up, Tack said, his voice quiet. 117 is supporting them. They can dedicate an entire brigade now. All right, Ulmoak said. It was silent for a long time. The small quarry that the cave opened up into came into view before Tack spoke again. That wasn't a sim or an arena fight, boss, Tack said. No, Umark said. No, boss, I don't think you do, Tack said. The AVI was quiet as Umark slowed down and came to a stop in the quarry. Nearly a dozen of his fellow gladiator mechs were already there, being worked on by the mechanics. He was pleased to see how light the damage was, although it looked to him as if they had taken a lot of damage in the rear quarter. 
I'm going to talk to some friends, Tack said softly as Ulamark started to shut down his mech. All right, Ulamark said. The mech slowly shut down, winding sound moaning through the cockpit. He popped the armor hatch and took a deep breath of fresh air. He could smell scorched and burned metal, hot lubricant, and overheated cooling coals, relishing the cool air even though his bash mech was radiating heat. The ladder steps that he'd customized for his four-legged form deployed and he moved down them. Mechanics were rushing forward with coolant hoses, grinders, and welders as he moved past them. Feeling the flash of victory for the first mass combat, he moved towards where his fellow gladiators were, looking around for the knocker-brew as he did so. That was all right, but it still felt lacking, he thought to himself. This is it, Ulmoak asked, staring at the last batch to come in. It was a stumbling junk, both legs ravaged down to the wall steel internal structure. Actuators were blown out, artificial muscle fibers were shredded or missing, armor was completely gone. The bash mech was stumbling junk, half of its weapons destroyed. That's it, boss, one of the mechanics said. Everyone else is dead or had to eject, and got slaughtered by those machines before they could even get out of the ejection seats. One of his fellow gladiators, Mustelak, said, shaking his head. It's if that bombing didn't happen and those aircraft hadn't started pounding them, they would have gotten me too. The fresh Delek put his face up against his hands and began to cry. I can't do it, Ulmanak. I can't go back into something like that again. Ulmanak nodded, staring at the gladiator's mech. It had been ravaged by missile fire, laser beams and particle beams. There was a hole clear through the lower torso of the mech, its skirting missing. Only forty had made it back. The mechanics had told Umoak that eight of them were too damaged to return to service quickly. It would take a week or more working full-time to fix them. On the other gladiators led Mustlek away, patting the smaller being on his back. The one leading Mustlek was glared at Umoak, glacking her beak in agitation. I'll not go back either, a bashmack driver, not someone to race to the slaughter, she clacked. Umoak shrugged. I will not force anyone to fight who does not want to. Boss, Tack spoke up for the first time in hours. Yes, Ulmoak answered, taking a sip of his narco brew. We need to talk, somewhere private, the ABI said. Its voice was deeper, less squeaky, and sounded very serious. Ulmoak got up and moved to Old Mine Supervisor's office, resting on the sling-like chair. What? Ulmoak asked, taking another drink. That happens again, and you're dead. Your family in this bunkers are dead, the ABI said. Ulmoak gave the equivalent of a shrug. All right. Boss, did you train at all? Tack asked. Simulators against the Terran VR representations of the precursor machines. Ulmoak said. He unwrapped a ration and shoved it into his mouth, pushing it into his jaw so that he could chew it softly. True, we did better in the simulations, but I think we did well. We stopped them, didn't we? That was one battle, boss. This is the 98th century, not a battlefield in Europe during the Bronze Age, Tax said. By the digital Omni Messiah, boss, did you all do solo fights in the simulators? We trained at the same time, why? Ulwak asked. No, were you all just in the same VR battlefield? Tack asked. No, we watched each other to learn from them, Ulwak answered. We knew that we could fight next to each other, we had fought one another, and we knew each other's tactics. Arena tactics, boss. This was one battle in a war that might last for months or years, depending on how much metal the precursors are willing to bring to bear. We did well, Ulmoak said. 
We outfought thee. No, boss, you didn't. Your entire force destroyed less than 120 tanks, damaged only 200, and in return you lost almost 50 medium-grade mechs, Tack interrupted. You took over 50% casualties and only inflicted 20% on your enemy. If it wasn't for the 312 and the 117, those precursors would be digging your family out of the bunkers to tear them apart with their claws. Boss, you barely touched the infantry support. Bulmoak frowned. He remembered destroying at least half a dozen. Why didn't you shoot, boss? Why? Tack asked. His voice sounded close to tears. Why didn't you order them to turn their electronic warfare suites or battle screens on? Why did you sprint at them like that? Bulmoak thought... It's how we fight. I had friends in those mechs, boss. You didn't know what you were doing, and you ran straight into the meat grinder and got them killed, Tack said. I might only be eight hours old, but those were my friends. Where were hashed together. Half of them died in their sleep, boss. Warboys dying in their sleep. My condolences. I don't know your kind form detachment so quickly. Olwak answered. Boss, what about your fellow gladiators? Tack asked. Olwak shrugged. They die gloriously in combat, just like they were all prepared to do in the arena. There was silence for a moment. No, boss, they didn't. There was silence for a moment. You got them killed. You wasted them. I'm not sure if I want to be a war boy anymore. And Tack was gone. Ulmoak sat in his office, sipping his narco brew, trying to understand what the AVI had been telling him. All right, hook me in, Olmoak said, staring at the technician. The pentamet nodded, reaching out and hitting the keyboard. Olmoak felt his awareness expand. He was over the battlefield, looking down, the feed from multiple Terran satellites all merged by the technicians. He had asked Tack to get him some data, and Tack had reluctantly agreed. He saw his mechs in ragged, staggering line, charging forward, some stumbling and recovering, some slid, a few almost tripped on buildings. He saw the designations come up in the line from the mechs and then around the precursor machines his mechs were running towards. He'd seen the markings on his radar and scanner screens and queried his implant. Artillery markers. Type estimated time to impact unit of origin. Target. Umuat loaded the information into his data link of the quick ram, so it would automatically come to mind when he saw those markings again. The artillery shells hitting, creating a solid-looking barrier of white smoke, chaff, and EM jammers. Other artillery rounds, anti-armor, and fuel air started detonating amongst the tanks. He saw his mechs charge through the smoke, saw a new icon pop up. According to his data link, that meant the 117 Field Artillery Brigade had stopped firing. By the time they came out of the smoke, the last of the rounds had hit. Most of the infantry had been destroyed by fuel air. He stopped the replay and then watched from the cockpit. Each gladiator fought like masters, putting into their tanks, raking with autocannons, lasers, missiles, ballerinas in a ballet of death. Each one that went down fell to superior numbers, going down yelling and firing. Some ejected. The mech smashed to junk. After the last one, he rewound the sim and played it again. He watched his own mech at the gladiator sprint to the precursor tanks. Four of the mechs stopped firing missiles from just outside the smoke, firing heavy lasers and lighter autocannons that didn't kick so badly and could stray on target. Yuan went down with a lucky particle beam that punched through the cockpit. The rest, the 75 charged in, laying about them with their weapons in a frenzy. Three times, Ulmoak saw a mech accidentally hit one another. 
Once from the rear blowing the friendly mech apart, the tanks began concentrating on the mechs inside their own formation, shifting rapidly. The slower anti-tank vehicles maneuvered, getting shots on the mechs. Less than 30 of them had their battle screens and electronic warfare suites actuate activated. Most of them only had one or the other. As he watched, they pounded on, hammered, reduced to scrapped. One, then two, then three began to run away, and without battle screens, barely made it halfway to the smoke before getting destroyed. Only some of them ejected. He saw himself tell the others to run. Only a dozen made it, most of those staggering. The ones that had stayed by the fading ball of smoke turned and ran while they saw Ulumak coming. He kept watching as the artillery started hammering the tanks, followed by aircraft roaring to drop heavy explosives. It took six passes and two of the aircraft were blown out of the sky, and another artillery barrage before the precursor tanks were stopped. This amended an Ulmuak gasp in the opening's eyes. The techs were looking at him in motion for Narkobru. After he had a few drinks to settle down, he nodded. Load up the file, tack got me. I want to see it. I need to know, Ulmuak said. The world vanished in a dazzle of pixels, loading back into another composite view. This time was fifty light military-grade mechs, roughly the same firepower and armor and shielding as his own. They were advancing on nearly three times what Ulboak and his forces had attacked. He had asked Tank to find him a sim like this, as close to what his own battle would have been like between the forces and Terran. He watched as they didn't sprint through the cloud. They walked a slow, steady metronome of steps. He saw drones pop up. He had drones on his own mech but hadn't used them. From the cloud was fired heavy missiles. His data link implant identified them as long-range missiles. He watched them streak in, going in evasive maneuvers, hugging low to the ground, only popping up at the last second to hit the top of the precursor vehicles. The mechs fires staggered and one set another whilst the first reloaded, keeping the area flooded with missiles. More enemy tanks then were destroyed and more caps appeared to the point defenses. The more missiles hit. A few of the light mechs fired off smoke and chaff of their own, keeping the mechs surrounded by the cloud. More drones popped up, getting target data for the mechs. The artillery joined in, the rounds impacting with more and more accuracy thanks to the drones. The mechs expended 20% of the missile loads and stopped firing. The smoke started to clear and the mechs began advancing on the tattered remains of the tanks, firing long-range weapons. Only a few of the tanks had reached to strike back. Ulwak noted that the light mechs worked in teams, three to five concentrating on the heavier tanks that had exploded. They moved through the wreckage, passing at each wreck, firing short-range but powerful plasma guns, the type that the gladiators used to augment fist punches into the shattered precursor mechs. The replay sim ended as the mechs moved on. It didn't seem like a proper battle to Ulmoak, who was used to getting into his foe's face. It seemed almost dishonorable until he saw the casualties. None. Hardly any armor damage, less than 20% new munitions used, including the drones. That group of mechs was still fighting, still engaging in combat. They had only been reloaded once during the day and had not needed to stop to be repaired. And Sim, Ulmwak said. When the world cleared, he lifted his narco-brew and took a long drink of it. Get the bush mech pilot still ready to fight. The mechanic nodded as Ulmoak went into his data link, looking for anything that would help him. 
25 Bushmack pilots, that was all he had left willing to fight. All right, boss, we'll listen for now, the leader, Festerlich, named Crenton, said, his voice serious. I made a mistake, Ulmoak said honestly, and the others nodded in agreement. We trained in simulators, we trained in arena, but we did not train together. Worse, I found a quote from a long-ago Terran leader that summed up what happened. Simulation training is nothing like field exercise training. Field exercise training is nothing like battle. Battle is nothing like war. Men must be trained to work with one another and to know what the man on his left and right will do, to know and understand how an army makes a war. Ulwak finished in the quote and stared at his fellow gladiators for a long moment. I trained us for one-on-one fighting. We practiced in our max, but we did not do what the Terrans call field exercises, and this is why I led you all to your deaths. We should have trained all together to work as one, like cogs in a well-made machine, he finished. Watch the recording I sent you, look it over, see how the Terrans fight, how the military fights, Ulmoak said. He heaved a deep breath. Then decide if you'll wish for a fight with me, because that is how we must fight, and there is no time for practice. The others nodded, slowly breaking away from the group, leaving Ulmoak alone. Boss, Tak said quietly. Yes, Ulmoak asked. You don't have long, Tak said. How long, Ulmoak asked. A few hours. The precursor, the Jotun nearby, he sent more, a lot more. All light armor units and robotic infantry, but a lot of them, they're carrying close-range anti-tank weaponry, Tak said. Boss, you can't stop them, not if you fight like that again. We call memo to AVI-4236A55Z24. Tak, request for reassignment denied. Train them up, teach them to fight. You have access to the training library. Use it. Help these people help themselves. Nothing follows. Kestemet defends the refinery successfully. Kestemet Copsex forces successfully defended the refinery held by the outlaw Ulmoak, despite the lack of Terran military forces. Corpsek has reported only minimal casualties while destroying the entire precursor force of thousands sent to attack the critical facility, perhaps offered as a valuable refinery by the outlaw Ulmoak. Corpsec wishes to remind all corporation citizens and employees that they are only contracted to protect you if you are in a designated shelter. End of chapter. First Contact, Chapter 47. Olmoak looked at the gathered Bashmak pilots, all of them taking drinks out of their narco brews before setting their mugs down. He could see that they were worried, anxious, and afraid. He wondered for a moment what it was like for them, then mentally shrugged and got down to business. There's a lot of precursor machines heading for us. Apparently they're all carrying heavy short-range missiles, even the robot infantry, he told them. So they're gonna chew us up like cargo mech against a bash mech, Waxtow muttered. If we go in like we did, then yes, Ulmuak said. Do you all review the record I sent you? They all nodded. Did you see what we did wrong? Ulmoak asked. We took Arena back mechs into a military fight? Suxto asked. Ulmoak nodded. I had us take Arena mechs to war. Most of our weapons are modified, adjusted, calibrated for the Arena. Some of our weapons are still on low power. I've had the mechanics fixing them, putting them back to their original specs. 
The Terran should have warned us, should have protected us better, Exnartre said. Perhaps, Almuak agreed. He pointed at the speaker. Tak, tell us what we would need to learn to fight like the Terrans. The little speaker vibrated for a second. Okay, boss, you would need to learn radio procedure, move, maneuver, and firearms, weapon ranges, effective warboy use, how to use variable munitions, rank structure, mission planning, how to use satellite and recon drones, first aid, how to interlock a war plan, logistics, support, how to call in close air support and artillery, how to... That's good, Tack, Alboak said, seeing that half the pilots were already lost and confused. How long does it take the Terrans to train a Bashmek pilot? Takes nearly a year to train a Warmech pilot, and that's after taking a year to teach them the basics. Tack added, That's not counting some VR and EVR time. Then a Warmech pilot would be sent somewhere to do basic combat operations in a hazardous environment for two to three years. Much longer than we had, Albuak stated. Make no mistake, individually we fought brilliantly. We're all brave, we're all skilled, but we made a mistake. What mistake was that? Clemacket asked. We didn't listen to or talk to our war boys, Alwax said. Mine told me to turn on the battle screens, came asking me for a war plan, told me to turn on my electronic warfare, didn't understand what we were doing. Then let them pilot the bash mech, Suckster said. He can have mine. Doesn't work that way, boss, Tax said. Suckster looked at the speaker. I can run the reactor, focus the battle screens, run your camo, help you targeting, fire weapons when you tell me, keep your EW at max performance. But to be honest, if you try to have me pilot a mech, I'd fall down. I don't have legs. Almoak nodded. He's never had a body. He doesn't know how to move. He handles stuff that we don't do instinctively, because those are his instincts. He doesn't have all the wiring we do that we use to just stand up and keep our balance. Suckster sat back down, looking modified. But why didn't the Terrogan government stop us? Exnotre asked. They had to have known that we'd get massacred if the government's job to keep us safe. Because they aren't our parents, Omoak stated. When everyone looked at him confused, he gave an equivalent of a shrug. I looked at the Terran Confederacy legal code. I can sum it up for those of us who grew up under the unified tyrants as one simple sentence. Almuak took a long drink, waiting for the others to say something. What? Ixnotre finally asked. Do as you will, as long as you do no harm to others, Almanac said. If you dance in traffic and get killed, the Terran government just lists your cause of death as being stupid. If you play with a rock cutter charge and chew on it and blow your head off, it's not the fault of the charge maker, the mine, or even your parents. It's your fault. Their protections were mentally unstable or defective for some children, but by and large, the Terran government just doesn't care. It doesn't pretend to care. I even let you know that it doesn't care. It expects you to take care of yourself if you're able to. All the Bashmek pilots looked at one another, confusion on their faces. Local governments might care, but the Terran Confederacy does not. Albuak shrugged. But, uh, but, um... Wokstow started and stopped. Who will keep us safe? What if a corporation put out a detective product? Who would protect us from them? That is different. The corporation would be punished if they did so knowingly, punished if they did not recall the product. But should you have been warned, go behind the government's back, acquire the product anyway, and your feet fall off, then that's your fault, Almoak said. He shrugged. I find it reassuring. 
But, uh, but how will we stay safe without the government to protect us? Exnotre asked. Armwak stared at the other beings. Do you remember what we do? Exnotre shrugged. Pilot Bashmax? Illegally, we gamble. Illegally, we sell drugs. Illegally, rent out joy boys and coin girls. Illegally, we curse the government for stopping us from having fun. We call ourselves outlaws and gangsters. We boast that we are beyond the government. And now you want them to save you. Almoac laughed like bagpipes being jumped on by a gorilla. We are indeed intelligent life. Um, boss, Dax said. Yes, Almoac looked at the speaker. I got General Tucker on the line. He wants to know if you can talk. Odin through, Almoac wanted to know just how angry the Terran was. Almoac, can you hear me? The Terran asked. There was a lot of static. Yes. Almuak answered, Good, good, listen, you've got a whole crap ton of light metal heading your way. That Jotun wants that refinery, and it looks like it wants it intact. You did better than I thought against the last group. At least you went out and engaged them. The signal fuzzed out for a moment. Damn it, can you hear me, Ulmuak? I can hear you. All right. They can't take that refinery intact. If you can't fight, you let me know. I'll scrap the whole place with atomics and park a bolo on it. I'll use airbus so your shelters stay intact, but it'll have to wipe the refinery off the map. If you and your men want to fight, engage them at range, Trucker said. If my men and I should fail, what will you do? Almuak asked. I'll do what I've planned to do since the beginning. I'll blow it off the map with a 1.2 megaton thermonuclear airburst of the and park a bolo over it. Trucker said, then after the battle's over, I'll dig your families out once the precursors are defeated. Excellent. The shelters can withstand that. My men and I are willing to fight, Alboak said. Listen, I can't spare you a combat leadership AI. You don't have the bandwidth out there. The AVIs are the next best thing, but they don't do it without you. I know you're not soldiers, but do your best. The signal fuzzed over, devolving to a dots and dash code. The high-pitched static sound, some sounds like a metal being stressed and then thin tension released. I'm trying to get him back, Tax said. Go to your bash, Max. I'll be there shortly. We'll do our best to fight well, Alwax said. The other bash, pilots nodded and clump breaking up just streamed away. Read me, Alwax, do you read me? Trucker's voice came in. Yes, Alwax said. Listen, I don't know what your government is telling you, but this is an all-hands-and-deck situation. If I had my way, I'd be having 8th Infantry handing out rifles to your plant workers and having the rest of the civilians rolling bandages and loading magazines. Our plans estimated 12 Goliaths. 50-plus hit us across the system. We still aren't interlocked with your government and corporate forces. Your government refused to let us put ammunition on the ground, so, we're running on nanoforges and creation engines till the slush spills out. There is no heavy metal to back us up, and I put out a call that even includes idiots and civilian irregulars. Trucker said, If I'd known how it was going to go down, I would have disregarded protocol and interlocked you earlier, despite your government saying that they could handle anything that came across the boundary zone. Understood, Almuak said. The Terrans had thrown the dice with their war plan, but come up triple falls. Do your best, Almuak. Every precursor you turn to scrap helps. It's that bad, Trucker said. Trucker out. Goodbye, Almuak said, standing up, draining the last of his narco brew and heading out to the cave. 
blinking at the sunlight that Terence had misjudged. Tack, prepare pleasure and glory for combat operations, please. Okay, boss, Tack said. Boss, uh, do you really think it's that bad? He would not lie to me. There is no profit or advantage in it, Alwax said. Do you think you'd really use atomics? Tack asked. I would. Boss, we don't have artillery or close air support and the sat links are down, Tack said. You're going to want to start loading EW rounds in your missile banks after this. I should have thought of it. It's all right. We cannot account for everything. We shall do our best. Ulwak said. He tapped the narcostem into his leg and checked the screens. The layout was strange, but Ulwak knew he'd quickly get used to it. He wasn't like every other Langtalan who prayed and moaned when things changed. He wasn't a good Langtalan. He knew that. There was something wrong with him. Everyone said so. He couldn't bring himself to care about what good Langtalans cared about. But he could keep the precursors from digging his aunt and uncle and cousins out of the shelters and tearing them apart. It's raining. Lots of vaporized metal and ash and droplets. That spill fuzz the sensors a little, depending on range. I'll compensate as best as I can, boss. Huck said. Two miles to target. All bash, Max. Slow to a walk. Calibrate for a long range. Umoak said. Ready drones for launch. Boar boys will pilot them. He was surprised that Exnartary did not remind him that he was not the boss of her. There is close to ten thousand of them. Phew, Tack said. Drones ready. Everyone, launch your drones. Let's get a look at the enemy. Albuak said. Remember to put the feed on the screen and look at it. The drones popped up from the launchers that had previously been used to launch fireworks. Alwak watched slightly disinterested as the fast little aircraft activated their cameras and moved into position. Alwak could tell that the warboys had discussed their plans with one another. Some went wide, some went high, some stayed low, and others swept forward in a fast line. His own mech chugged at three, five percent of the total load of his drones. The landscape was different than it looked like on the maps. There was a valley where they had not been nearly a mile across. A large gouge ripped through the earth in the middle of the valley, creating a canyon nearly a hundred meters deep. The precursor robots had been forced by terrain to slit their forces. They were crossing what looked like a smooth stone, broken by slight ripples. What caused that? Almoak asked. Orbital strike, Tack answered. Caught one of the Jotun big boys out in the open, a mobile refinery heading towards you. What's left of it is at the bottom of the canyon. I see, Almoak said. The precursor robots were mostly hover, though and with what looked like crude copies of the Terrans hanging off every surface. Holding tight and missile launch tubes, there were things that looked like crustaceans, things with tracks, things that walked on stilt legs, others that slowly turned as they hovered. Simulations usually showed the precursors using hundreds of thousands of the same craft. Albuak made a small note to himself to change the parameters of his sims. Recommendations? Albuak asked. Tack had been created to fight wars. Albuak felt it would be foolish to disregard his knowledge. He would ask Wokstow what the best fruit knockabrew was. Chaff mortars first, since we know the wavelengths of the chaff we use missiles to start off with. Run EW suits. If they respond with heavy missile fire, pop out chaff and flares. Tack said... Keep them at a distance. They look to all have short and medium range weaponry. Tack hummed a second. 
This was tailor-made to slaughter you if you tried the same tactics. Logical, Almuak stated. He opened a channel. Missile volleys burst. Let the warboys select targets and allocate the missiles. You launch and watch. Boss, we really like doing this. We're used to helping, Tag said. Give the word. We're ready. All bash mechs, check your number. Even will fire, then odd will fire. That way someone is always firing missiles, Almuak ordered. The drones were getting wiped out, but they were transmitting more than enough data. They'd identified the point defense radar's wavelength, transmitting it to the mech's warboys, which loaded the scanner data into the mortar shells. The mortars thumped, previously used for fireworks and colored smoke, and the mortar shells dropped down. The precursor machine's point defense hit a lot of them, but that still left a chaff deploy, degrading their point defenses and letting more spread the chaff. The screen got a little fuzzy, but because the warboys knew the wavelength of the chaff they had been designed to foul, the warboys could compensate to tell the missiles what to look for. The mechs, all 450 to 500 tons of war machine, all began firing missile volleys. One group firing while the next reloaded. The missile screamed out, unable to use stealth like their stellar counterparts, instead just relying on speed and bare bones maneuvering as they went hypersonic, roaring in at over Mach 10. While the precursor machines were nearly blind, the missiles could see clearly through the small hole in the chaff scanner defeated and jamming. We should start mixing EW warheads, Tack suggested. What are those? Almuak asked, feeling his mech shudder as he launched missiles. He noticed another reason for the staggered volley. It let his mech cool slightly between launches. Strobes, chaff, jammers, screamers, coffers, magic mirrors, stuff like that, gives them false readings, jams up their sensors, tries to infect them with computer viruses through scatter input. It's to make your missiles more effective, Tak said. Yeah, do that, Almuak said. Um, how about one in twenty? We don't have many loaded, Tak said. Yes, Almuak said, watching the different feeds. He had expected the warboys to aim at all the front ones. Instead, the missiles were slipping in between the enemy EW and point defense, knocking bigger and bigger holes in the point defense net. This does not feel right, Jistrix said suddenly. You would prefer the last fight? By all means, run down there, and we will use the data of your death to plan our assault, Almuak said. Jestrix didn't answer. Almuak noticed that some of the infantry robots were trying to use the missiles as point defense, but in a section of the grid that they were scanning around as if they were blind. What do you see, Tack? What? Tack asked. Grid D7. The infantry robots look blind, Almuak said. Got the wavelength, gotta see if it works. Other warboys are loading it now. Firing. Almuak watched as it looked like the robotic infantry suddenly went blind. Enemy is entering extreme range from direct fire weapons, Tack said. What's our missile count? Albuak asked. We're at 90% still, Tack said. Back up, keep firing, Albuak ordered. Activate battle screens in EW, fire long-range energy weapons, and consume ammo this far out. Will do, boss, Tack said. Everyone acknowledges. More and more gaps were appearing in the point defense. The infantry weapons were obviously single-shot, slow missiles that the incoming missiles just rolled to avoid. The infantry robots began firing with the additional weapons, laser, plasma, but obviously they couldn't see. 
Several times, Alborak targeted Ritikul flashed yellow and he took the shot with the heavy laser or particle beam cannons. His arena skills came in handy here, making difficult shots quickly, knowing how to cycle his weapons to keep the heat manageable. They're retreating, Tak said. Move forward, Alborak ordered. Boss, Tak said. Yes, pop a drone, sweep it around behind them. It might be an ambush. Precursors don't care about casualty numbers beyond resource expenditure and gain, Tak said. Remember that the Jotun wants the refinery in the mines. Understood. Do so, Almuak ordered. He watched the drone launch, configured for stealth, and sweep around low and slow. See, boss, what did I tell you? Tak said. The machines hiding just beyond the hills, beyond the range of the sensors, were massive. Large, flattened eggs bristled with weapons. You would have just walked right into that. I see, Almuak said. He examined the data, and the drone was streaming back. Heavier weapons than he's mech-mounted, thicker point of fence, thicker armor... The machines were heavier than his own mech, which was the largest of the bash mechs. The drones beeped excitedly and sent back the wavelengths of the precursor machines we were using. That narrow gap that he'd left for his own missiles. What if we did this? Fire EW with the same profile as we've been using for the entire first wave. Then drive in behind them, firing off EW in our gap. Then drive their missiles through that way, Elboak suggested. Let me talk to the boys, boss. Keep up the farm prior, but don't advance, okay? Tak said. Everyone, keep your missile fire. Don't advance. They might have more hiding, trying to lure us in. Alwak ordered. He waited, feeling bored, watching the missiles pounding the Pico's machines. He felt nothing. Okay, boss, we've got to figure it figured out, Tak said. It showed a quick sim of the attack and looked fine to Ulmoak. Should we do it? Go ahead, Almwag said. He gave a sigh and injected a straight stim into his leg. He was getting sleepy from boredom. He watched as the missiles reconfigured, firing order, and then launched. They went in the bigger machines in two prongs, EW leading the way. The precursors held off on firing on their point of fence, obviously intending to lure the missiles in for better targeting data. When the second wave of EM cut loose, it became obvious the big machines were blind. The missiles rolled, chose their targets, and then shifted into a straight line. Why are they doing that? Umuak asked. Fire the leader targeting, Tak answered. The missiles all drove into the same point, a crater getting deeper and deeper until finally the last ten or so of the long-ranged missiles powdered into the interior of the precursor machine. Fire and vaporized metal gouted out the wound. Five of the machines exploded. The rest of them turned to face the two directions the missiles had streaked from. They were twenty left. Fire again. Reverse targeting EW, Alwak answered. Oh, good idea, boss, Tag said. The second set began to launch. Fire third set immediately after. Double volley, maximum acceleration, straight into their face. No EW, just speed and warhead, Alwak ordered. Okay, boss. The second volley was slowly approaching, hugging the ground, swerving around obstacles. The third volley roared out, bypassing the retreating combat machines. Less than 10% were knocked out. The second volley activated EW drones and went supersonic immediately afterwards. At the same time, the third volley went hypersonic. The precursor machines hit from three sides, the jammers off bandwidth and the seekers using the wrong scanner data. Had their point defense systems fall apart. The missiles hammered in, over half the vehicles exploding. 
Same thing, reverse, and a fourth on the high parabolic arc, Almuak answered. Boss, our ammo levels, Tack reminded. I'll send half back for reload while the rest of us stand guard, then we'll switch off, Almuak said. We have no SAT scans and no battlefield data. We relies on our eyes, Almuak stated. If you're sure, Tack said. What would be your advice? Almuak asked. Um, I don't know, Tack said. Then let us try it my way. Almuak said. The third body tore into the mass of machines with even better effect. Almuak watched as the last of them exploded and then ordered the fourth body to clean up the last of the original machines. He sighed and sent back half of his pilots to reload their ammo. He felt nothing. That did not feel proper, Trakez said, staring at his mech, which was being reloaded with ammunition. It lacked glory and honor. Almuak drew his pistol, ignoring the sudden hiss of worry from the onlookers, and he tossed it to Trakez. There you go, feel free to put that in your mouth. At least then nobody else will get killed and your mash mech will still be available for the same effect. I didn't mean, Trakez said, carefully putting the sneedler on the table. It's all right, friend, I realize what you mean, Almuak said, walking over to the table. He picked up a narco brew bottle and cracked it open, putting the needler back in his pocket with his two lower hands. He offered to craze the bottle, and when the other being took it, grabbed himself another one. Doesn't the lack of glory bother you? You fought the hardest for glory, Yeltrek asked. Almuak shrugged. What is the use of glory and honor if nobody survives to witness it? Who do we point our finger at to call out to witness us if the precursors kill everyone? We will help the Terrans destroy the menace and rebuild the arena. If we fall, then we witness one another, and perhaps the Terrans will witness what we did in historical drivers. Alwak took a swig of Narcobrood. My parents, my siblings, my husbands, my brood carriers, my podlings, they're all in the shelters. I care not for honor and glory. I care only for them, Blunt Ketek said. Lifting up a knocker brew, I must die, and this trucker must use atomics to scar away the factory so the precursors no longer care. Then that is what must be done. I'm with you, Mookie. I thank you, Albuak said, nodding. I will force none of you to fight who do not wish to. Nap, eat, while your bash mechs are reloaded. Albuak turned away, walking to the nearby hollow tank. Tack, show me a replay of the battle. Point out what you see. Albuak ordered. More battles followed, mostly the Jotun sending more mechanized minions to take the factory and Almuak wiping them out with missiles and long-range weaponry. It was becoming almost mechanical, something Almuak felt it could be done by machine, not even requiring a complex programming as tech. It was the second day that things went sideways, to use the Terran term. Precursor forces down to 15% remaining, Tack said. Almuak noticed that even the AVI seemed bored. Missiles and indirect fire munitions are down to 60%. Keep up the pressure. We'll rotate out and reload now. We can finish off the remainder, even at one-third strength, Almuak ordered. Gotcha, boss, Tack said. Sixteen heading back, eight staying, going to rapid fire. The last of the precursor machines bowed easily. Even as his ammunition levels dropped, Almuak joined the eight moving through the wreckage, using lasers to destroy any power source, destroying any possible active precursor machines. Boss, I have incoming aircraft. They're not even trying to be sneaky about it, Tag said. How so? Almuak asked. 
They're broadcasting IAE and flying in a normal flight path. They say that they're corpsec and planetary executors. Tech said, they're hating you. Put it on the display, Seven, Almuak said, focusing his cyber eye on it. A Langtalan, his crest inflated, his sash covered in decorations, appeared on the screen. He looked at Almuak clad in cooling vest and body blanket, only to have curls his tendrils in disgust. The sight of the cyber eye made the Langtalan look physically ill. May I help you? Almuak asked, firing a laser into the cracked hull of a weird-looking crab with reds. I am Second Highmost Executor Pruthesetic, and command a corpsec, the Executor's forces. The Langtalan snapped, Shut down your engines and present yourself for arrest. Why would I do that? Alboak asked, watching the ship swoop down. They landed outside the debris field, and the signs lowered to allow being empowered armors to exit the craft. Planetary Corporate Council and the Planetary Executive Council will take control of those shelters you illegally built and put them to proper use. The Executor huffed. You will be placed under arrest and remanded for summary execution as known criminal who has been caught in the possession of illegal technology and weaponry. I will not allow them to eject my podlings from the shelters just so corporate executives can take their place. Plunkitek snarled over the comlink. And if I object, Olmoang asked, he turned his bashmack to face the dropships, aware that the other eight mechs were moving up to next to him, keeping far enough apart that their battle screens would rub together. Then you will be destroyed, the executor stated, his tendrils shaking with excitement. Almuak felt something, that thing that he had felt so long ago, just out of reach. Come then, Almuak answered. Witness us. 8th Infantry Division Memo We're still getting pushed back to the tempo is slowing. Looks like the precursors have been forced to start manufacturing reinforcements and replacements. They're going to be desperate for resources soon. Keep up the pressure. Nothing follows. 144th Ordnance Company. We've got the breathing room to reload the ammo stalls from the 5th Irregulars. Our creation engines and nanofortress can cool down and de-slush on the way. That could be probably be a use actual ammunition instead of civilian versions. We'll head out once we're done reloading. First armored recon. Nothing follows. Kistamit defends refinery successfully through the night. Kistamit, Scorpsex forces, working in planetary executive forces, have held off heavy attacks by the precursor forces throughout the last day and night as the Hulunga Industrial Facility managing to clear the area. The Corp Sector and Executive Forces intend to engage the criminal Ulmanok and liberating the facility and the shelters beneath it in just hours. The government shelters beneath the facility should be open to senior executives and higher soon. End of chapter. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed and if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode. And I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.